Well, if you would, turn with me in your, in your Bibles there to the book of John. We're going to be in chapter 15 this morning. So, we, um, we talked last week about how Jesus was the, the true vine. Uh, he's the true vine by which all Christians are rooted, um, about how God prunes us when uh, we need a little trimming, a little, a little bit off of the top so that we can then grow more healthy in his word, um, about how we can better follow him and his ways, and then ultimately he prunes us so that we can produce better quality fruit. Good fruit is what the Bible says. Um, this week, we're going to be taking a little bit of a different direction. This week, the scripture is a little bit more difficult. I would love to say, hey, we're going to be talking about all this, you know, this, just more of this good fruit. The way that Jesus works in us, the way that Jesus blesses us, you know, the way that he is, he is moving and grooving in us. And he does. He works in us all the time. Amen? He is forever with us, right? He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. He, he is always at work. But sometimes, he also has to give us some correction. He has to tell us some things that are difficult and hurt. They're not so fun to hear, but they are necessary. Why are they necessary? Because of exactly what we were talking about last week. Sometimes we need to be pruned, right? Sometimes he has to, to trim us back a little bit. And he does this. He gives us these corrections so that we can continue growing in him. And so this week, as we, as we uh, are looking at our scripture, it's going to be chapter 15, starting at verse 18. Um, like I said, it's going to be it's going to be a little bit more difficult, um, and it's the, the title. If yours has the headers in your Bible, it says the hatred of the world. Sounds like a great great way to start the morning, doesn't it? Let's talk about the hatred of the world. You can get enough of that just turning on TV, right? Like it's turning on CNN, maybe even just one of your regular local channels. You can see all about the shootings going on everywhere and just the, the horribleness. Turning on CNN, you can just find all the hatred you want with the politics of the world, can't you? I mean, it's all out there. There's nothing left to the imagination anymore, I feel like. And so when you run across something like this that says the hatred of the world, we sometimes like to go, well, we got it. Like, we get it. We live it. Got the shirt right? But Jesus is going to bring to us a different idea of what this means and a solid truth around it. And so as we look to this, we're going to read it first and we're going to go through and we're going to talk about some of it, but it, there's some hardship here. There is, it's, there's some difficult um, topics that we're talking about. So look at it with me in your Bibles, chapter 15, starting at verse 18. And it says, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come 
and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. This hatred of the world that Jesus is, is laying out before us this morning, again, it's a, this is a, it's a hard and difficult thing. But I'll tell you who it's even worse for. For the people that don't believe, right? We like to call them the lost of the world. You see, when he starts this thing off, he starts it, like, I mean, just right out of the gate. If the world hates you, know it hated me first. Jesus, who goes before us, Jesus, who, who is doing everything righteously and correctly, is laying this foundation before us to prepare for us a way, right? That's what, his, that's what his whole focus has been. He is preparing for us a way to go, a way to follow, and it's the right way. Now, not everybody chooses to go this right way, which is the reason he says, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. Before Jesus came along, you go, I mean, I mean, stop and think about this for a second. If we had no rules, no laws, no morals, we had nothing, what would there be to be upset about? It would be to each their own, right? Just running around, doing what you do. Hey, you did that? Well, that was right. There's no law against it. There's nothing bad. There's no judgment. There isn't anything saying you shouldn't have done that. Good for you, right? If that's the way that the world was, it would be what we as Christians would perceive as chaos, wouldn't it? It would be chaotic to think that you could just run around and do whatever you wanted to do. There's a terrible, 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 and I will never, ever tell you to watch it because I'm a pastor, but I've seen it. A movie called The Purge put out years and years ago, and I remember watching it and going, oh, wow, that's what it would be like if the world literally just threw their hands up and said, nothing is wrong. Nothing is off the table. That's what it would look like. People just running around and doing whatever they wanted to do without any consequence. No consequence. Just do what you want. Everything you do is right and okay. Again, we see it watching the movie. I remember thinking, like, that is just chaos. That's destruction. That is just beyond what you can fathom as being anywhere but terrible, insanely terrible. So if we lived in a world like that, and there are many people in the world today who say, go do whatever you want to do. There shouldn't be anything wrong with that. They tell you, if you want to be this, then you get to be that. If you're a boy, you want to be a girl, go be a girl 
can't, though, because God said there's boys and then there's girls. You can't switch that. That's a God command. But people tell you, the world wants to tell you, you're allowed to do that. You can switch your orientation and your genders. And, and if I want to be a millionaire today, I can be one because I can claim it. But I'm not. Sean says all the time, I'm going to claim to be five foot seven. She's five three, people. Ain't going to change it just because she says it, right? We had a person that used to come here years ago said, you can blab it and grab it all you want to, but it don't make it true. Listen, God has set rules. God has set standards. God has given the moral law. God is the moral law giver. He's the one who says it is wrong to kill. It is wrong to steal. It is wrong to lie. It is wrong to covet or to adulter or to do any of these many other things. God set the rule. God set the standard. And for most of us, most, we agree with those things, even if we don't proclaim the Lord as God. Most people in the world today would agree it is wrong for you to kill, even if they deny Jesus. They would agree that it's wrong for you to steal, even if they deny Jesus. You know why that's true? Because God is the moral lawgiver. Who created us? God. How did he create us? In his image, we can't help but be like God in certain ways. No different than I can't help but to be like Joe Knapper, my own father. I have characteristics of him that it doesn't matter what I do, I can't get away from them. Granted, I wish I had more because he was amazing. But my God is even more amazing. And, and I'm telling you that, that what, what God has put into play here today we cannot deny because he created everything, right? Everything. We have nothing that we have that he didn't give or create or offer or bless us with. Everything belongs to God. And so when Jesus says, the world will hate you because it hated me first, understand that Jesus is recognizing that I created all of this. It all belongs to me and they're mad at the creator. And because they don't like the way that I have set forth what needs to be set forth, they're going to hate me. And if you follow me, they will hate you as well. Period. There are things, though, that I want us to understand here. Specifically, this, this scripture here where he says, the world hates you, it hated me before it hated you. He says, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, he says... But I chose you out of the world. He says, therefore, the world hates you. There's a few things I want us to understand here. Mostly, this is referring to non-Christians, the lost. But this can also refer to Satan and his reign on the world. So, so we're going to talk through just a few of these things. Number one. As a Christian, the world is going to hate you and reject you. I want you to hear it. I want you to hear it from the pulpit. I want you to know that your pastor told you the world is going to hate you. Expect it. That's the reason we call this expected hatred today. Expect hatred. The world is going to hate you, and they are going to reject you. Welcome to service this morning. Like, it doesn't get any better than this, people. I mean, there might be another church down the road that's going to tickle your ear this morning, but not today here at Bethlehem. The world is not going to accept or tolerate you. They won't. 
You are going to stand on the firm foundation of God, Jesus Christ, your Savior, and the world is going to tell you you are horrible, hypocritical, radical. They're going to tell you you don't deserve to live. The world will not accept or tolerate the Christian lifestyle or the Christian value. The world rejected Jesus Christ so much that he was crucified and nailed to a cross. He was the one that set it all up from the very beginning. He's the one that created everything. Jesus is God. He is the one that came into the world and said, I'm making everything, right? We, Jesus, we got God the Father, God the Son, we have the Holy Spirit. We have everything was at work. Jesus is God. He helped put everything together. And the world said, no kill it who are you to kill the the master who are you to kill the potter the one that created by his own not even by his hands he just spoke it into existence who are we to take him out and yet the christian said supposed i'm going to go with the jews let's not even say christian we're going to go with the jews the ones who were his people said we know better than you we established the law and we will shut you down. Does that not sound like the world today? Think about that. There are people in this world today who will say, I know better, and I will shut you down. And you know what? We have a whole handful of people in this world, and I'm talking about a handful of people who are controlling what the world is doing. And you know what we as churches do? We let them. You know why? Because we say, well, we got to be good. Got to be righteous. Got to love my Jesus. Can't make a rip or a roar or a tear in the universe here. So we just let people walk along. Right? I'm going to turn the other cheek. It would be great if we actually understood what some of this stuff was talking about before we made the statements. And instead, when they said, hey, we're taking prayer out of school, we went, no, we don't think so. When they said, you can't go onto the football field and pray, we say, watch. Come and lock me up. Here, I even hold my hands out so you can put the handcuffs on. Come and take me. But you know what we do? We say, okay, fine. We don't stand up. We haven't stood up. I got to talk to a fellow on the phone this week. It was about our hillside, actually. I got on the phone with him. I said, hi, my name is Greg Knapper. I'm the pastor of Bethlehem Baptist Church. And I cringed. Because sometimes people don't like our church. It's just the truth of it. And I've talked to some of these folks down there before, and it wasn't received very well. So I said, I'm, I'm Greg Knapper. I'm the pastor of the church. And I was just waiting, like, okay. He said, he said, well, how can I help you? I said, well, I want to talk to you about that hillside. He goes, well, you're the pastor? Said, yeah. He goes, well, I'll tell you right now. He said, Jesus can come on back right here now. He said, because I'm about sick of this world and what all it's doing. He said, you know who we got to blame for all this? He said, we got, the, we got nothing to blame but the churches. The churches haven't stood up. And next thing you know, he went on this rant where he was preaching to me, the pastor. And, and next thing you know, I was like, amen. Like, this is great. And then he said, oh, I, I, I digress. What can we help you with? I was like, keep going. This is amazing. I'm getting church on like a Tuesday afternoon. See, we're supposed to be bold in our faith. 
The problem is we get scared when we hear how the world's going to hate us, don't we? Doesn't it bother you to know that someone hates you? It shouldn't, though. It should encourage you to know that you're doing it right. Because if the world hates you, it means you're doing it right. It means you're standing for Jesus. You're, you're following him in his footsteps. You're doing what he says is good and right and true. Satan is the ruler of this world. So when it says that the world hates you, that is Satan who is putting all of that together. Satan's the ruler of this world. If the world hates you, that means that Satan hates you. Who wants to serve someone that hates them? And if you're living and you're in and of this world, you are following Satan. The non-believers of this world following Satan, and they don't even know it. They're lost, and it's the reason that it's so important. Satan hates God, which means he also hates Jesus, which means he also hates the Holy Spirit. You can't love one and not the other can't hate one and not hate the other. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all, that's, that's the Trinity. It is, that is God in three persons. He is infinitely amazing and can do that work. If you want to know more about that, come see me after. It's too much to go into today. Satan, however, we know is no match for the love of Christ. Amen? He loved us so much that he died on a cross for us so that we could be forgiven our sin when we didn't deserve it. So he is, Satan is no match for the love or, or, or match from the love of Jesus. And because of this, the love of Jesus has already defeated Satan. The fourth thing that I want to tell you is that Jesus chose you out of the world. He chose you. You read it right there in the, world, in the Word. But I chose you out of the world. Jesus chose you. If you're here today, Jesus chose you to be here today. If you've accepted the grace of Jesus Christ and His mercy that He has offered through the death of Himself on the cross, He chose you for that. Hear that, understand that, accept that, that Jesus Christ has chose you. He pursued you. He brought you out of the darkness. He rescued you. Get this, he rescued you from the fires of hell itself and brought you back into a redeeming light. He loves you. He's offered you grace and forgiveness only through his death on the cross. And then the fifth thing that I want you to know here is that the world, with Satan being the ruler of the world, will hate you because you belong to Christ Jesus. Because you belong and have been bought by his blood. Because you have been ransomed. Because you've been forgiven. Because your sins are no longer keeping you captive. Guess what? You're no longer a slave. Because if you remember, we talked about last week how Jesus said, I don't, I don't call you a servant. I don't call you a slave. He says what? I call you friend. And because you're my friend, he says, I've told you everything that my father has told me. He shares with us everything, including his love, including his grace, his mercy. 
Jesus reminded us of this. He, in verse 20, he says, remember, that the, remember the word that I said to you. He says, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they are also going to persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. This is probably one of the hardest truths. The fact that Jesus Christ was persecuted and that we who follow Jesus it doesn't say you might be persecuted, does it? It says, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. So who in this room is ready for someone to come after them? Who in this room is ready to be persecuted? Who in this room is ready to go down for following Christ Jesus to the point of being arrested or even death? That's hard, isn't it? Isn't that tough? To think that you potentially could be faced with that, and many people around the world are. We're blessed here in America where we get to just gather here this morning. There are people over in other countries that have walked for miles upon miles upon miles in the middle of the night so that they can go underground and sing and worship and hear from the Word of God. And sometimes they get caught. And when they get caught, guess what? Sometimes they get locked up, and then they throw away the key. They don't let them back out of prison. Sometimes when they get caught, they are killed on the spot. It's a hardship that Christians around the world are dealing with. Here in America, we, we don't have that, at least not yet. But you know what's going to happen if we keep on shrugging our shoulders and saying, well, at least I can't do that. We're going to be just like them. We have to stand up as a church. We have to say, I'm going to go pray where I choose to pray. I'm going to believe in and I'm going to follow and I'm going to talk about and I'm going to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you don't like it, do what you choose. I'm ready because I know that if you do whatever you do to me, up to and including the point of death, I just get to go be with my Savior that much faster. I have assurance of my salvation. Do you have assurance of your salvation? Do you know Jesus Christ to the point that when and we talked about this Wednesday, it's funny how stuff just comes together. We talked about this where we say, are you saved? Have you received salvation? Some of you may say, I think so. You know where you need to be? On your knees before Jesus Christ. Because I have believed in Jesus Christ. I have professed Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I belong to Jesus. I put him first in my life. I am willing to do whatever he asks me to do. That was the promise that I made to him. Open the door, I'll walk through it. I am assured of my salvation. When I die, I'm telling you people, I am going to be with the Father. You can have that same assurance today. Do you have that same assurance today? Don't think you're going to go to heaven. Know it. And there's only one way to know it. And that is for you to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You have to know Jesus. And if you don't know him, see me at the end of service today. We're going to do an invitation. We're going to play a nice pretty song. And I'm going to stand down front here and I'm going to be by myself like I am most weeks. If you're not sure, come forward. You don't have to stand here. We'll walk off to the side if you're a little embarrassed. I will sit with you. I will kneel with you. I will pray with you. I will do whatever you ask me to do as long as you confess faith in Jesus. Oh, what a glorious day that'll be. That, that's all that Jesus asks. He says, accept me. 
follow me. Proclaim me as your Lord and Savior. You don't have to pay him any money. You don't have to do certain works. He's done it all. He's bought your ransom. He has paid for your sin. You are no longer a slave. You belong to him if you accept his mercy. Whew. It's hot up here today, people. Listen. It's, I mean, this is some good stuff here. Now listen, it, it doesn't, it's, we're still going through the hard stuff. I, I'm going to get us there, I promise. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap us up here pretty quick. But um, Jesus says, he says, all these things they are going to do to you on account of my name. And it says it's because they don't know me. There's so many people around the world. There's so many people just even in Spencer County. Do you realize that like, like 80% of Spencer County is lost? Is that not terrifying? To know that like a ton of your neighbors do not know Jesus, do not regularly attend a church. They don't know. They are not saved. They are going to hell. It's a crazy number, but it's true. It's even worse when you start figuring in the, 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 the entire United States. You start going around the world. It's the reason that we're called to do what that sign says. Go therefore and make disciples. We need to tell people about Jesus so that they won't have to face the fiery pits of hell where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. We don't want that. We don't desire that. Jesus certainly doesn't want it or desire it. See, Jesus tells us in verse 23, he says, whoever hates me hates my father also. He says, if I hadn't done among them the worst that no one else did, he said, they would not be guilty of sin. They wouldn't be guilty of sin. It says, but now they've seen and they hated both me and my father. And he says that their law tells them and it must be fulfilled, they hated me without a cause. Remember I said you can't hate Jesus and not hate God or the Holy Spirit. You can't hate God and not hate Jesus. You know, you, you can't hate the Holy Spirit and not hate God or Jesus. Like, you can't because they're one. They're, they're the Trinity. That They are one existing in three persons. Jesus came and, and his sole focus was to bring us truth. He wanted to reveal to you truth. And what he did was he exposed the sin of the world in a way that had never been done before. Jesus exposed all sin. And the world and the people contained within the world realized their sin. You see, in Romans, um, uh, Romans chapter, uh, I just went blank, people. Romans chapter 6, I think it is. I just went blank. Romans 6.23, I got it. Romans 6.23 says, For all have fallen short of the glory of God. That's still the wrong one. I think it's Romans 3.23. <laughs> I'll get it right in a minute. But, but the bottom line is, is that it says, it says, All have fallen short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and when the world came to this knowledge, they hated Jesus for it. Who here wants to be told you're wrong? Nobody likes to be told they're wrong. I don't like to be told I'm wrong at work. I don't like to be told like my wife says you're wrong, which happens a lot. Like nobody wants to be told that they are wrong. And Jesus came and he exposed sin for what it was. And then he said, and if you are sinful, you will go to hell. 
But Jesus also came so that he could, he could provide a way. Remember, Jesus, Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And if you'll come before Jesus, it says no one comes to the Father except through him. So what was it that Jesus exposed? He exposed the truth about how our lives, about how we're living. He exposed about how we cheat and we steal and we covet and we lie and we murder, about how we love idols more than God. He exposed all of those things. What's wrong with revealing the truth? If I tell you the truth, you should be happy, right? If I tell you something that even if it's hard to hear, at least I was honest with you, right? At least I, I, was, I was truthful with you. We should not be affected by someone telling us truth. The problem is, is it exposes our guilt. Nobody wants to be guilty. So the people, it says, hated Jesus without a cause. In Psalm 64, or Psalm 69, rather, uh, verse 4, it says, More in number than the hairs of my head are those who hate me without cause. Mighty are those who would destroy me, those who would attack me with lies. What I did not steal must I now restore. Jesus, who was perfect, sinless, above all, led a perfect life, became sin when he knew no sin. Jesus took upon himself everything that we are, which is not good, which is terrible, which is what we were describing just there. Cheaters, liars, coveters, murderers, worshipers of idols. All that we are, all of our failures, Jesus took upon himself every last bit of that. He said, that which I did not do, I must now restore. How did Jesus Christ restore that? Like this took it upon himself. He took nails through the hands, nails through the feet, took a spear into his side, and he breathed his last breath. And in that, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he offered us salvation. Salvation that can only be attained through him. And then he says to us, but the helper is going to come. He says, who I am going to send to you, the Father, the Spirit of truth, who's going to come from the Father, Father God, and he will bear witness. Jesus had to go so that we could receive the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who is the great helper, the Holy Spirit who is the Spirit of truth, who will reveal to us what we need to know and even convict our hearts, the helper who is going to lead us through truth of Jesus, and he's going to help us to see how much we need Jesus in our lives, those of us who follow Jesus without reservation and tell others about Jesus no matter the cost, those of us who are willing to accept the good grace of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit will be saved. And if you've done that, you are saved today. Your eternity is secure. But if you've not done that, hear me, hear me, hear me. Do it today. Because you're not guaranteed anything. You're sitting here right now nice and comfy and cozy in, those, in these pews. When you walk out those doors, all bets are off. You're not guaranteed to make it home. You're not guaranteed tomorrow to wake up. You aren't guaranteed anything. You're guaranteed an eternal life if you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. But if you wait, 
It's on you. Trust in Jesus today. Realize how much you need him. Realize what Jesus is bringing forth, that yes, it is going to be hard. You will be hated. But the joy that you will experience in following Jesus Christ, the joy that you will experience in your eternal home, knowing that what awaits you is so much greater than what this world can actually offer you, this world's just temporary. But Jesus is forever and he's calling you. His Holy Spirit is talking. I know he's talking to someone here today. Because his word doesn't go out void. He's talking to somebody. And if that's you, I pray you'll listen. I pray that you'll respond. I pray that you'll answer his call. These front pews are going to be open. Uh, y'all go ahead, the band, go ahead and come up. Uh, worship team. These front pews are open. If you haven't accepted Jesus in your life, come and talk to me, please. If you need to rededicate your life to Christ, come and talk to me. We'll sit down in a pew together. Trust in Jesus today. Don't be of the world. We've got to live in it. But but believe in Jesus, and he will help get you through this world. And then he will call you home one day, and we'll all be together again. Trust in Jesus. Bow with your heads and pray with me. Father, we come before you today. Lord, and I don't know who needed to hear the message today, but you do. And I pray, God, that you would, would use your Holy Spirit, that you would work on our hearts, that you would reveal to us what you want us to do. Help us to be followers of you. Help us to turn away and reject the sin in our lives. Help us to to realize that, yes, following you, following you is is not just going to be something simple. Accepting your grace, accepting your mercy, sometimes that's not even simple. Sometimes that's hard because we, we don't feel that we deserve it. But it says in the scripture today that you chose us out of the world. Thank you, Jesus, for choosing us. Thank you for pursuing us. Thank you for calling us to something greater. Thank you for calling us to you. So, Lord, as we, as we close today, as we play this last song, Lord, I pray that you would give encouragement and strength to whoever it is. Whoever it is in this church, Lord, to have the, to have the will and the desire to follow you more than the embarrassments that they feel. They would answer the call to accept you or to rededicate themselves to you or whatever it is that is weighing upon them and that they would have the courage to come forward and to lay that at your feet today. Because Jesus, we need you and we can't do this life without you. Without you, there is no hope. Without you, there is no eternity in your presence. Without you, there is only hell to await. Lord, we face enough hell in this life, in this world right now. We need you. We need your help. We need your joy. Help us to trust you more. Help us to realize that the world will hate us. Help us to realize there's nothing we can do about that stand firm in your feet at your feet in your foundation just help us God thank you Lord 
Thank you for being here. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit moving here today. We praise you, Lord. We lift you up in your most holy and precious name. Amen.